You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's dark. You're sitting in front of the mirror getting ready for bed. There's nobody else in the house. You see something move in the corner of your eye. You glance to your right, but you don't see anything. Another minute goes by, and you think you see movement again. So you slowly turn to your left, but again, the room is empty. You turn back around, and staring you face to face in the mirror is a cat. You jump back, because you don't have a cat, and there's no cat in the room. But there he is, staring at you in the mirror. Welcome to Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week, we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Now, step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, Brandy Stark. Hello and welcome to Paranormal Pets. I am your host, Brandy Stark, and on this episode, we are going to take a look at the elusive El Chupacabra, the goat sucker of legend. Uh, the Chupacabra has been reported from Puerto Rico through Latin America into Florida, my own home uh, state, including Tampa Bay, right across from St. Petersburg, Los Angeles, and all the way up to Maine. So we're going to take a look at what this creature might be right after these messages. Now time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host, Brandy Stark. And welcome back to Paranormal Pets. I will do two very quick caveats before we get started. One, I'm going to apologize because I have the accent of a Midwestern American. I will probably sound terrible to most people who can speak Spanish, and I'm going to apologize for that ahead of time. Secondly, if you hear any noises in the background, those are the pugs who are currently taking a nap while I do this episode. Just be aware that uh, I am currently on my in-between semesters break, which means that if I'm on break, they're on break, and they get to take naps. I'm completely jealous. I'll probably be taking a nap after this. So any noise that you hear in the background is their contribution to this episode, as always. 
So with that in mind, we are going to take a look at El Chupacabra. I was inspired for this by an article in the Monsters, a Bedford Spotlight Reader, put together by Andrew J. Hoffman, called Monsters and Messiahs by Mike Davis. He talks about El Chupacabra, the goat sucker, is a monster that combines elements of the dog, coyote, bat, rat, and possibly even alien. While no chupacabra has ever been found, its legend has gained popularity. Initially said to have appeared in Puerto Rico, the chupacabra has migrated to northern Mexico, the American Southwest, and even the city of Los Angeles. This article appeared in the literary magazine Grand Street, and Mike Davis examines the notion what is real versus what is imaginary as conflict between civilization and the wild, as he explores how the Latino population finds in the chupacabra a symbol of fear, then deflects that fear with humor. He is a professor of creative writing at the University of California, Riverside. He is a distinguished nonfiction writer who often focuses on urban politics. So this is the academic article that inspired my research into El Chupacabra. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but he does start off with the preposition that one of the elements of fear that remain with humankind is the fear of the wild. Uh, He says, the wild is a predator. It is the unexpected and the unpredictable. It is also dream. And it's kind of an interesting notion because if you think about what scares humans and what preys on humans, we prey on ourselves. So enjoy that little thought. Uh, We are the most deadly predator against ourselves. Microbiology preys on us, right? So diseases, cancers, things along those lines, although technically diseases, bacteria and viruses would probably be more accurate in that description. And uh, also nature. If nature attacks, if you will, if we get a hurricane like New Orleans did in 2004, if there's massive flooding as there was in the Richmond area not too long ago, what happens to us as a civilization? We can't play Pokemon Go anymore. By the way, my little side note is we should not be playing Pokemon Go to begin with. We should be able to correlate and speak to other human beings without the need of an app. But that's just me. Anyway, nature is the one thing that can kind of halt us in our tracks. And for people who have survived natural disasters or lived through the process of kind of re-civilizing an area, the average length of time to recover from a major disaster is usually 10 years for a, an area, which is pretty extensive. We tend to forget about these things because they drop out of the news very quickly. And secondly, when you hear reports from folks, it's pretty incredible. New York went without electricity for about two weeks, and I had some friends who lived up there, and they described how terrible it was. I mean, you had to, you know, figure out ways of keeping warm, you, you know, where to go, how to, you know, maneuver in a world that has become so technologically advanced. You forget what it's like when you don't have hot running water anymore or running toilets, right? Although toilets, I guess, would work. The hot running water, though, could be a problem without electricity. So it's kind of an interesting idea. He goes on in this article to say, if Los Angeles' bad dreams in recent years have conjured monsters, because he talks about the droughts bringing out coyotes and other animals from the perimeters, they have also laid out a welcome map for monstrous tourists. In early July of 1996, for example, the famous goat-sucking vampire from Puerto Rico, El Chupacabra, took up residence in the Latino barrio of Pacomia, P-A-C-O-I-M-A, 
in the northwest San Fernando Valley, the, let's see, he calls this the chupacabra was simultaneously an avatar of poor people's deepest fears, an exuberant tongue-in-cheek emblem of Latino cultural populism. I am not sure that the notoriously ill-tempered creature with its bottomless appetite for cabra, galena, and pato, not to mention the odd Doberman pincher or two, would enjoy being called a messiah, but it certainly has been a lightning rod for immigrant anxiety. In a vast, strange city, sometimes more desolate than a desert and more dangerous than a jungle, the chupacabra has brought the real assurance of a familiar monstrosity. Like Southern California's parched coyotes of the 1990s, the chupacabras were brought out of the hills and into the city by drought. Both in Puerto Rico, where the goat sucker first appeared in the town of Canovas, 20 miles east of San Juan in December of 1994, and in northern Mexico, where scores of incidents were reported throughout 1996, there is a good reason to credit local claims of dramatic increase from mysterious attacks on livestock and pets. Puerto Rico is recovering from two years of drought and massive hurricane damage, while northern Mexico, together with the American Southwest, has been suffering through the driest period since the Dust Bowl era of the 1930s. In both cases, as Puerto Rican veterinarians and Mexican agricultural officials have demonstrated in detailed investigations, there has been an unusual drought-related hike in the number and ferocity of wild dog and coyote attacks. From the beginning, however, folk culture was suspicious of expert explanations. Who, after all, has ever seen a dog kill a goat like that and preferred the agency of monsters and vampires? Indeed, the chupacabra may be an echo of the mythic bestiary of the Thanos, Puerto Rico's extinct aboriginal culture. At any event, its image underwent a fascinating evolution as sightings passed from the original grapevine into the Spanish-speaking tabloid press, then into primetime tabloid television before a final appearance in the episode of The X files. Thus, the original witness at Canovas described an apparition just like a devil, four or five feet tall, with red eyes and hideous forked tongue. A month later, the chupacabra grew a horn, which a mechanic attacked by the creature just before Christmas 1995 amended to long, spiky hair or fur. Its body was portrayed as a hideous combination of rat and kangaroo. After the chupacabra's immigration to Mexico in early 1996, however, its image was remodeled yet again as the bug-eyed rat face and punk rocker hairstyle were replaced by bat wings and a space alien's head. In Puerto Rico, there has been intense speculation that the chupacabra was a mascot or a pet left behind by extraterrestrial visitors. Now, according to Mexican UFO experts, there is proof that the chupacabra was an ET itself. The Mexican left, on the other hand, declared the chupacabra was actually Carlos Salinas de Gortari, the runaway ex-president who had sucked the blood of his country and t-shirts with Salinas' visage, bald and big-eared on the body of a chupacabra, soon became a popular rage. So did El Chupacabra, a masked wrestler and social activist, who began to appear regularly at some of the nearly 1,000 anti-governmental protests held in turbulent Mexico City during 1996. Elsewhere in Mexico, the beloved devil rat alien Latino, if not literally Raza, was supplanting Mickey Mouse and the Power Rangers as a popular icon. Bars offered, okay, here we go, Chupa Cerveras, food stands sold Chupa Tacos, and I'm sorry, but that is funny, and Marchichas sang Chupa Caridos.
The delicious food embrace of Chupacabrismo by Mexico was first and above all a celebration of the national sense of humor. Despite all the setbacks and infamies of the Salinas era, Mexico still owned its laughter. Yet, as in Puerto Rico and Florida, where Chupacabra panic broke out in the Sweetwater District of Miami in March 1996, there was also genuine terror. Scientists, government ministers, and even President Zadillo of Mexico went on television to calm hysteria, while local investigators gathered irrefutable evidence of feral dog and coyote attacks on farm corrals. In Los Angeles, the chupacabra craze was something of an antidote to the monomania of the Simpson trial. While OJ was saturating English-language television in late spring and summer of 1996, the Spanish-language media, dominated by the huge Televisa chain, was covering chupacabra sightings in Sinaloa and Baja California and debating whether the terror would strike in Southern California. In early July, two rabbits and a goat were found dead in a Posima barnyard. Although no one actually saw the chupacabra, there were telltale puncture wounds in the animals' necks, and their bodies were totally drained of blood. Some people locked themselves in their houses and refused to send their children to school. Others had trouble sleeping and were afraid to take the trash out at night. The majority, however, simply chuckled. Los Angeles had recently acquired a first-rate football team. Now it had also a genuine chupacabra to prove its Latin Americanness. So it's kind of an interesting idea. Now, what I find really fascinating is that when I continue to research the chupacabra, there are a lot of variations as to the origin of this creature. Here we go. Let's see. This link was sent to me when I first started thinking about doing an episode on El Chupacabra by Lori Champion of the Pasco, my northern neighbor. She has her hostile haunt specialists. But she sent me a link to the phantomsandmonsters.com site in which there was an eyewitness to El Chupacabra. It starts off with, I received this email from a reader in 2012. I've read your newsletter for many years and I'm very fond of the stories. I must tell you that in early 1995, I was a witness to El Chupacabra attacks near Canovas, Puerto Rico on two occasions. Now note... This is where El Chupacabra is alleged to have really started. The second attack, I caught sight of El Chupacabra killing a large dog in a field behind my father's workplace. And I'm sorry to say the description's fairly gory, but here it is. It was after midnight, and I was there helping him get extra work done. We heard a dog growling in the back field. I went to look and saw a four-foot-tall thing, very ugly, that I had never witnessed before. The dog was keeping distance from this thing when suddenly it leapt and attacked the dog. It only took a few seconds. Uh, as it ripped the dog apart, it never made a sound. I quickly ran to the shop and told my father. He grabbed a pistol and walked out to see what was there. The only thing that remained was the badly mutilated dog. I was sure that it was an El Chupacabra. There was talk of this creature for several days. It looked like a weird man in the distant shadow, but had a lizard-like head and hairless dog body up close. The large dog eyes were very strange, and it used its teeth and large claws to rip apart the dog. I have read recently that many researchers consider this to be a legend, but I will state that it is completely a true creature. These sightings outside of Puerto Rico and South America, I feel, are bogus and may just be dogs. And I always love that that entry, and which is signed by the way Samuel that this person is that specific so the Puerto Rican yeah it's real but everywhere else I don't think so so okay mass hysteria and suggestion but that would also make El Chupacabra something quite unique to Puerto Rico which is in case you are curious the land of some of the most beautiful people and I'm actually not kidding it was actually ranked 
an area of the world that produced beautiful people fairly recently. Now, the editor of the site continues and he says, the legend of El Chupacabra began in about 1992 when Puerto Rico newspapers El Vochero and El Nuevo Dia began reporting the killings of many different types of animals such as birds, horses, and as the name implies, goats. At the time, it was known as El Vampo de Moca since some of the first killings occurred in the small town of Moca. While at first it was suspected that the killings were done randomly by some members of a satanic cult, eventually these killings spread around the island and many farms reported the loss of animal life. The killings had one pattern in common. Each of the animals found dead had two punctured holes around their necks. So let's take a moment to look at El Vampiro de Moca. There's a nice link that goes to an article by Joanna Parapinski that basically describes this creature also as El Chupacabra. In the night, the Chupacabra slinks through the Shadowland, reptilian scales on green-gray skin and spines like knives on its back. It hops like a kangaroo with a dog's face, a panther's nose, shark-like fangs, and blood-red eyes and bat wings. Oh, hiss and screech, if you will, go slouching through the city streets on alien feet and see who smells the sulfur of rotting on your snake-like tongue. So kind of an interesting connection, but it doesn't tell us a heck of a lot about the actual vampire, El Vampiro de Moca. Anyhow, uh, continuing with this article, soon both in Puerto Rico and Mexico, El Chupacabra gained urban legend status. Chupacabra stories began to be released several times in American and Hispanic newscasts across the United States, and Chupacabra merchandise, such as t-shirts and baseball hats, was sold. And just so you know, it also says that other animal deaths similar to those reported in Puerto Rico showed up in the Dominican Republic, Argentina, Bolivia, Chile, Colombia, El Salvador, Panama, Peru, Brazil, the United States, and most notably, Mexico. Let's see. The chupacabra is generally treated as a product of mass hysteria, though the animal mutilations are sometimes real. Like many cases of such mutilations, however, it has been argued that they are often not as mysterious as they might first appear. Descriptions of the physical appearance of each specimen can resemble descriptions of other specimens or differ from other descriptions. So in other words, what this guy comes up with without reading every word here is that there are different eyewitness accounts of El Chupacabra. They are typically three feet tall, although I have recently found articles that said four to five feet tall. They are humanoid in shape. They are bipedal with two arms, and they are described as otherworldly creatures. Well, okay on that part. Usually, they are said to appear in three specific forms. <laughs> so here, if you see any of these outside your house, keep your pets inside and lock the door and call the authorities. The first and most common is a lizard-like being, apparently with leathery or scaly greenish-gray skin and sharp spines or quills running down its back. This one, and see this already differs from his above description, is approximately three to four feet tall, stands and hops in a similar fashion as a kangaroo, at least in one sighting it hopped 20 feet. This variety is said to have had a dog or panther-like nose and face, a forked tongue protruding from it large fangs, and is said to hiss and screech when alarmed, as well as to leave a sulfuric stench behind. The second variety appears to bear a resemblance to a wallaby and a dog standing on its hind legs. It stands and hops as a kangaroo and has coarse fur with grayish facial hair. The head is similar to a dog's and its mouth has large teeth. The third form is simply that of a strange breed of wild dog that is mostly hairless 
has a pronounced spinal ridge, unusually pronounced eye sockets, teeth, and claws that is otherwise a typical canine. This animal is said to be the result of interbreeding between several populations of wild dogs, though enthusiasts claim that it might be an example of a dog-like reptile. The account during the year of 2001 in Nicaragua of a chupacabra corpse being found supports the conclusion that it's simply a strange breed of wild dog. The alleged corpse of the animal was found in Talapa, Nicaragua, and forensically analyzed by UNAN Leon, pathologist at the university, found that it was just an unusual-looking dog. There are very striking morphological differences between different breeds from which wild dogs generally descend. These can easily account for the strange characteristics. Some reports claim the chupacabra's red eyes have the ability to hypnotize and paralyze their prey. The prey animal is mentally stunned, allowing the chupacabra to suck the animal's blood at its leisure. The effect is similar to the bile of the vampire bat or certain snakes or spiders that shun their prey with venom. Unlike conventional predators, the chupacabra sucks all of the animal's blood and sometimes organs through a single hole or two holes. There you go. I do find this to be kind of interesting because as we continue on, there are some interesting accounts of El Chupacabra in Florida. So we will pick up with that right after these messages. Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. When I adopted her, she was a mess. Scabs, itching, licking, missing fur, hot spots, a thin, dull coat. So I take the dog to the vet for the standard run-of-the-mill tests and treatments. No results. I hear your advertisement on the radio. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. So I get the five-pound box of Dynavite and the Lico Chops within a four-week total. Instead of a German Shedder, I have a German Shepherd. Sheba is a 105 lean pounds of shiny, smooth, happy dog for life because she gets fed Dynavite. And the results, they're just incredibly outstanding. And she loves it. When you rescue a dog, you have to do the right thing. You've got to feed them right for life. Do the Dynavite. Dynavite for life. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, the founder of Whitegate PR. We have been specializing in PR and marketing in the pet industry for over 10 years. If you have a pet product or service you would like to promote, give us a call. We can help create awareness for your brand on TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, and blogs. Feel free to reach me directly at 619-414-9307 or learn more on our website at whitegatepr.com or follow us on Facebook. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host, Brandy Stark. And welcome back. We are continuing with our coverage of El Chupacabra. 
In case you are curious about its manifestations here in the United States, there is a great website that is called weirdus.com and it does include weird states and Florida is perhaps the weirdest state. And I'm actually not making that up. There are plenty of books on weird Florida. If it has happened, it has happened here. Anyway, that includes El Jubacabra. The bizarre creature is said to be an import to Florida. In the past decade, the Chupacabra actually made its debut in the world's weird list in 1975 after a series of farm animal killings in Puerto Rico. So I don't know if that's a typing error or if this actually goes back to 1975 rather than 1995. Although if so, we now have 1975 as a starting point. And then I think also 92, 94, 95, kind of in that range. Rural villages came forth with claims that an unidentified creature was killing their animals in the early morning hours by biting their necks. Whatever it was left a strange puncture-like wound on its victims that were inconsistent with any known species. Witnesses reported hearing screeching noises and flapping sounds like those made of a, uh, by the wings of a large bird. Eyewitnesses who claimed they had actually seen the creature generally described it as an unknown animal about three or four feet tall, gray in color, oversized head with a big oval eyes and a mouth full of teeth. Another characteristic common in Chupacabra reports is the sulfuric smell emitted by the creature. Some descriptions offered by witnesses seem to imply the beast was a gargoyle-like being or a Tasmanian devil with webbed wings. Interesting. I mean, how do you go from one extreme to the other? But okay, we're going to go with it. The rash of unexplained killings was first central around Orocovis in the mountainous interior of Puerto Rico with the mutilated remains of sheep, goats, cows, dogs, chickens, and other animals being found almost daily over a period of two months. One account has 200 cows being killed by this mysterious entity and a high number of allegations involving mutilated goats. People claim the creature had literally sucked the insides of the victims out through the eye sockets, which sounds very unpleasant leaving only the carcass of skin and bones. Since the bizarre beast was lacking a name, that's where it got the goat sucker or El Chupacabra uh, moniker. Again, they describe it differently. It stood five feet high with powerful hind legs like a kangaroo, big slanted eyes, ridge of finished spines running down its back. One man claimed to have chased the thing, briefly catching it long enough to look in its mouth and to see long things before it broke free and disappeared down a street. Chupacabra reports have become so frequent that authorities could no longer ignore them. Police led search parties looking for whatever was killing so many animals. Even the mayor, Jose Soto, a former police investigator, launched his own unsuccessful quest to try and capture a chupacabra. The first suggested chupacabra report I could find in Florida appeared in a March 1996 newspaper concerning sightings at Sweetwater. There are four Sweetwaters in the state. This person is correct to assume it is the one off of Route 41 west of downtown Miami. The first report was made on March 10th when a woman said that an inhuman thing had crossed her property. This was followed by two more reports about a strange animal killing two goats and 27 chickens. This was enough to start the ball rolling towards chupacabra hysteria. On July 23, 1996, the evening news of most Florida television stations carried the story about a strange beast killing people's pets in South Florida that left behind a sulfuric smell. Although the C word was never mentioned, rumors began circulating through the Hispanic neighborhoods that this was the work of a chupacabra. One man said it's the same thing we call goat sucker in Puerto Rico. 
In one incident, the devilish beast was blamed for tearing its claws into a luxury car, leaving deep scratches in the paint job. Dade County law enforcement agents set up traps in hopes of snaring the creature, but since there are no follow-up reports, we are left to wonder if they ever captured one. In Tampa, aha, I knew it was going to come up here. Tampa is the city across the bay, probably 20 minutes from here, 30 minutes across the bridge. Two men reported that a chupacabra had killed some chickens and claimed to have seen the creature at two different nights. There is a definite cultural connection to the chupacabra incidents in Florida since they have all allegedly occurred in predominantly Hispanic areas. In Tampa, there is also Ybor City, which is initially Hispanic, very historic area. I think we are left with three explanations for chupacabras in Florida. The first is that they were imported from the Caribbean, which actually wouldn't surprise me because we have totally messed up the ecosystem here in ways that are unimaginable, perhaps on a cargo ship. Or secondly, there is mere folklore out there. Or thirdly, the infamous Jersey Devil has retired to South Florida. I like that third one too. I think it's quite possible because actually in South Florida, you do have a large contingency of folks from New York, New Jersey that started actually going down there in the 1930s and buying up property and settling in. However, the second state of madness, if it is not Florida, I'm afraid is Texas. So I'm sorry to my Texas listeners, but uh, yeah, yeah. And Texas, interestingly enough, let's see. They actually had a news broadcast. Here it is. Mythical El Chupacabra finally captured. Now, this is off of YouTube, which is kind of interesting. This was published on April 3rd, 2014. But let's hear what they have to say. Mystery unfolding in Texas, and it has to do with a mythical creature that's only lived in stories and legends. Couple claims they've captured the elusive Chupacabra, an animal that they're keeping alive. And Janelle Bluda shows us. Deep in the backwoods of South Texas, you never know what might be lurking around the corner or in your tree. And he saw this strange animal sitting up here eating corn. In Ratcliffe, a small town in DeWitt County, residents are certain they found the mythical, despicable chupacabra. And this time, it's alive. Jackie Stock says her husband caught the creature Sunday night. He called me to come and look, and I said, Bubba, that looks like a baby chubacabra. With its hairless back, large claws, countless teeth, and ferocious growl, many would say this animal fits the bill. You know, I hunted coons, you know, 20 years with dogs and all that. And I ain't never seen nothing look like that right there. Parma says one of the big signs it's not a raccoon is its growl. Coon don't make that noise or a possum. What makes that noise? I guess chupacabra does. I don't know. <laughs> Here in DeWitt County, most people are convinced this is the elusive chupacabra. But what do wildlife experts have to say? The animal in the cage, as best I can tell from the view, was some form of a small canine. Brent Ortigo, a biologist with Texas Parks and Wildlife, says a canine can include a coyote, dog, or even a fox. He says the animal most likely has mange, which has caused it to lose its hair. But as for a chupacabra, well, he thinks otherwise. It's never been proven to be uh, a unique species. It was always something out there that allegedly either caused harm or threatened to cause harm to people or their livestock. Chupacabra or not, right now this little guy is staying at the stock household, living off a diet of cat food and corn. At least until someone can find out what it really is. 
we never seen anything like that on our place before. Pack your bags, data. We're going to send you to investigate that one because <laughs> dogs don't eat like that. I know that's odd. And corn. According yeah. to legend, chupacabra sucked the blood of cows and goats. Although there's never been any real evidence the creature exists, sightings of chupacabras have been reported from Latin America to the southern U.S. Hopefully, they'll bring that animal to some civilization so they can study it. It's odd. <laughs> so there you go. Thank you, Texas, for being a little stranger than Florida. However, before I can even say that. I will also say that in Tampa in 2014, I believe, there was also a chupacabra alleged to have been captured even here. Isn't that great? I believe the only follow-up that I have found to this is April 4th, 2014. The Texas couple has captured what's being called a baby chupacabra. The news video footage of the small hairless caged animal went viral and left countless people scratching their heads, wondering if a chupacabra, unlike Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster, has finally been caught. In DeWitt County, Texas, most people are convinced that this is an elusive chupacabra. So is this animal the elusive chupacabra? It's clear that it's not because the video of the creature broadcast on KAVU clearly shows the Ratcliffe chupacabra doesn't have the anatomical mouth features that would allow it to suck blood from goats or anything else. Like several other chupacabras found in Texas and elsewhere in recent years, it's a simple look at the mouth demonstrates it is physically impossible for the animal to suck blood. The mouth and jaw structure of raccoons, dogs, and coyotes prevent them from creating a seal around their victims and thereby physically prevents them from sucking the blood. It is not seen nor videotaped sucking blood from anything. So what is it? If the mysterious animal is not a chupacabra, then what is it? The most likely answer is that it is a raccoon. Animals that have lost most of their hair can be very difficult to identify correctly for the simple reason that people are not used to seeing the animals without hair. Wildlife experts have often seen wild animals suffering from various stages of sarcoptic mange, a skin disease that causes animals' hair to fall out, but most people do not. Healthy raccoons are instantly recognizable by their signature dark bandit mask coloring around their eyes, but when their facial hair falls out due to the disease, it becomes much more difficult to identify the animal. So then you have to look at other features, including size, behavior, and anatomy. These features suggest that the Radcliffe chupacabra is indeed a raccoon, and though most chupacabra found in Texas have been identified as canines or canids, the zoological family that includes dogs, coyotes, and foxes, this is not the first raccoon misidentified as a chupacabra. In an article in the March-April 2014 issue of Skeptical Inquirer, another chupacabra found and photographed in the 1950s in Texas was identified by Darren Nyish, a vertebrate paleontologist and science writer from the University of Southampton as a mangy raccoon. Another clue about the animal's origins can be found in where it was discovered in a tree. This is a typical place to find a raccoon, but unlikely for a dog or coyote. Furthermore, in a video of the animal, the Ratcliffe chupacabra picks up food with its paws to eat. This is typical of raccoons, and admittedly, if you watch the video, it very much looks like a raccoon. It's being fed a diet of corn and cat food, but if it's a chupacabra, that theory can be easily tested. Put it in a pen with a goat or chicken and see if it attacks them and sucks out its blood. I actually don't advocate that, but not good for the chicken or goat. The reason that Ratcliffe chupacabra has been called a chupacabra is not the mysterious animal's characteristics match those of the legendary vampire because they don't, but instead because those who found it didn't know what else to call it. According to the book Tracking the Chupacabra, the Vampire Beast in Fact, Fiction and Folklore, University of New Mexico Press, 2011. The original chupacabra whose image came from the 1995 science fiction film Species was a bipedal spiky-backed monster with glowing red eyes. The chupacabra has faded into folklore and myth, 
But over the past decade, any strange animal whose identity is not immediately obvious is often dubbed a chupacabra. The word has become sort of a catch-all term for weird animals living or dead. It's not surprising that the chupacabra continues to be found, whether it exists or not. And this is from Benjamin Ratford, who is a deputy editor of the Skeptical Inquirer Science Magazine and author of seven books, including Tracking the Chupacabra, the Vampire Beast in Fact, Fiction and Folklore, and Lake Monster Mysteries, Investigating the World's Most Elusive Creatures. So I tend to actually agree. Unfortunately, I don't think people really do fully understand mange and what it can do to animals, which does include, it does kind of create a skin infection ish. They certainly look very different without their fur and depending on the level of mange, I think it does create some secondary infections which may also make the creature look even more alien than it normally is. Again on this video, when I looked at it, I'm thinking it's a raccoon just based on how it eats. Hopefully they treated it for mange though, but it, it was pretty hairless. If it did not have mange, I would also be curious to know if perhaps it was some sort of mutant. For example, I do have a hairless guinea pig, I have had a hairless hamster, and I currently have hairless rats, all of which are mutations. So I, I don't know. But I do believe that pretty much covers, as far as we're going to get today, on the mysterious chupacabra. Just in case you're curious, and I do find this interesting, just a little thought to leave off with. This article appeared in the St. Petersburg Times, Saturday, March the 23rd, 1996, Section B, page 9. Header, Did the Goat Sucker Strike Tampa Before Miami? by Bill Duria, the Times staff writer. And in the text it says, The discovery of the dead goat in a yard full of dogs is not normally the stuff of which mysteries are made, but if you will add in the fact that the goat had suspicious punctured marks on its neck and that there was nary a drop of blood and that the goat had been a lifelong friend with the dog, then it becomes more difficult to ignore a more sinister conclusion. This is the work of chupacabras, literally translated the goat sucker, and it may well have struck in Tampa for years at the vampire-like predator with its fangs right eyes and spine back was known only in Puerto Rico. Legend has it that it prowled the central mountainside, gruesomely dispatching goats in a way that no earthly animal could possibly accomplish. Then last month, 69 goats, chickens, geese, and duck were found slaughtered in a yard in a heavily Hispanic neighborhood of South Miami. We'll add Millie the white goat to the roll call of the dead. One Sunday two months ago, weeks before the Miami massacre, an employee of Select Seafood in Drew Park arrived at work to find one of the company's two goats dead. The watchdog Spike and Bear became obvious suspects. Dogs are the leading suspects among skeptics in Miami, but Danny Rivera, the assistant plant manager of Select Workers, I guess, agreed, has another explanation. Oh, he's a native of Puerto Rico, and he has another explanation, one that drew on the folklore of his youth. They thought I was crazy when I started talking about it, but... The Haitian workers agreed, said John Gasser, owner of Select Seafood. The man who found the goat doesn't believe in the chupacabras, Gasser said, but he couldn't explain the lack of blood. What could have spawned such a monstrosity? Riviera doesn't like to think about it, but it's hard to avoid government experiments. And so on that cheerful note, I will leave you. Enjoy this episode on chupacabras. It turns out there is a ton of stuff out there if you'd like to research more. As always, I do recommend that you advocate for animal rescues, uh, Pug Rescue of Florida, 
Florida Rodent Rescue, any of those rescues that are out there where you can take an animal in need of a home and give it a home, please do so. If you are curious about paranormal happenings in St. Petersburg, and if I find any chupacabras, I will post it here, please check out the St. Petersburg Paranormal Investigation website at www.sppipinellas.net. Thank you so much, and on behalf of Paranormal Pets, happy hauntings! Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.